Happy Wednesday, everyone. It is the middle of a week. This is Unbothered. I'm happy to be here. Today, I'll be talking about the NFL schedule. It's being officially released tomorrow, but today they have dropped some games. So I do a kind of an early reaction to the slate that they've dropped. I talked about strength of schedule and why that really doesn't matter until you see the actual week-to-week schedule. Then I'm going to get into the NBA. Uh, I was one-for-one one in my picks last night. 76ers dominated the Celtics. Very surprised by that one. And then on the latter side, Nuggets crushed the Suns. And, well, that was expected. And then I'm going to get into tonight's games. Heat Knicks, Lakers-Warriors on today's show. So let's get started with the NBA. So the – or my bad, with the NFL. So the NFL – released three select games today uh, in their international uh, schedule as well. So I'm going to go through the three games, uh, the select games that they released that's not will not be played in London or Germany, uh, and I'm going to rank them from most entertaining to least entertaining. And I'm going to start with the first one that they released, and that's the Bengals Chiefs. That was obviously the highest, best ticket item right there is a game a lot of people thought, could it be the actual opener to the season, considering the bad blood that goes between the Bengals and Chiefs, what I think is the best rivalry right now in the NFL, is that game. Instead, we get it week 17 on New Year's Eve, and to me, that was the best game that they dropped today. Again, considering Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, the two best teams in the AFC the past two years. And I also like the fact that it is later in the seven, week 17. Sometimes we get matchups early in the season and, uh, you know, anything can happen week one or two. And then it's like, well, if they played later in the season, who knows what would have happened uh, you know, this team's totally different. We saw the Bengals last year uh, open up with two bad losses against the Steelers and the Cowboys in back-to-back weeks. The old line didn't gel yet, and everybody was kind of writing them off. And then they go on to win their division. They look very dominant towards the end of the season, whereas the Chiefs, on the flip side, they usually start off the season. I think Patrick Mahomes has, like, never lost a game in September in his career. In October, he's very good. And then in November, December is when they start getting uh, some of those losses. So I like this game. I like when it's scheduled, especially Week 17. This could very much well be the game for the number one seed in the AFC. That's how pivotal this game is. So this is the best game they released. To me, this is, I think, will be one of the top five, top three games in the season, so to count that down until week 17, that's what I'm looking forward to. Then the second one, Dolphins-Jets. Now, this one I think has the potential to be great. Of course, the, uh, this is the first Black Friday game uh, ever. It'll be exclusively on Amazon Prime. Again, this is unprecedented, so it'll just be one game, Dolphins-Jets on this day. Uh, I expected the Jets to have a lot of primetime select games like this because of Aaron Rodgers on the team. So it makes sense. I like this matchup. But one thing I hope for 
is if Tyreek, all right, my bad, is if Tua is healthy. Well, we get these teams twice, I believe, they'll play earlier in the season as well, and I think that'll be a more ticketed item. Uh, because right now I'm kind of 50-50 on if Tua plays this game, considering his injury history. I might have had, you know, the Patriots against the Jets in this one. I probably would have had the Bills versus the Jets if you really wanted to market this one up on the Black Friday uh, day. I get the rivalry. I like it. But, again, the health of Tua concerns me. If you're going to build this up, you know, I don't want to see Mike White out there throw into um, Tyreek Hill and while Aaron Rodgers is wheeling and dealing. So this has the potential to be a good matchup. I just hope the injury, uh, Tua just doesn't sustain an injury. I hope not. But throughout his career, that's not always been the case. So I rank this number two matchup. And then the worst one, uh, Giants versus Eagles. And this is on Christmas. I mean, the Christmas Day game we get, uh, I heard there was rumors of possibly being three games on Christmas. I don't know if that was real that I read. Uh, but for right now, the one for sure, since it is a Monday, Monday night, Giants-Eagles. And let me tell you, I'm not a fan of this one. Now, I know the Eagles usually always get a primetime game against their division. There will be a primetime against the Cowboys and the football team. But if this is going to be your big Christmas Day game, at least make it the Cowboys. It makes it seem like maybe uh, Thanksgiving will be Eagles-Cowboys if they have Christmas for this one. Uh, that's kind of my bet. But if Do you remember last time the Giants and Eagles play? If you don't remember, it was in the playoffs this past year uh, in the divisional round after, um, you know, they had the Week off, Eagles got a rest. Giants played the Vikings. And the final score was 38-7. to It was 28-0 to at halftime. Third quarter, Giants cut it down to 28-7 to and then 10 more unanswered points to make it 38-7. to It was an absolute beatdown. Uh, you know, the Giants, you know, were not good at all. Uh, they only managed 220 yards of total offense. Ran 52 plays. I mean, it was bad. Daniel Jones was bad. The team was bad. Uh, and, you know, you look at these rosters, and I did post-drafts and post-rankings. Eagles still have one of the best rosters. I think Giants are kind of the same where they're at. I don't know if they'll be as good as last year. So this one could get ugly. Don't like this. This has the feeling of a blowout already. This is my least anticipated of those three select games. So you have those that were released. Now I'm going to get into the ones that were released, the International Series. Now, this is the first time a team will have two uh, games nationally, and it, of course, is the Jacksonville Jags. And it's actually back-to-back week four, week five. So their first game is Falcons. We'll play the Jaguars. Now, this is kind of, to me, I feel like a yearly matchup. We all get like a trash team versus the Jags, whether it's the Broncos, Jags last year. I think believe we've had the Falcons and Jags before. Uh, but, yeah, so this is what we get, an unappetizing. We send, you know, trash to London. I'm still not sold on the Jags. Uh, 
is a great team. I will probably by default win their division because it's so bad. But here you go. You get Falcons, Jags in a low appetizing matchup that doesn't have any spark or flair to it. We send them off to London. Then the following week, we get Jags built, which I think will be a little better because, of course, it's Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, it's the Bills. Uh, Jags, I think, will have a little bit uh, home uh, field there because, again, they play there every year. And they're also there on a back-to-back, so they get that benefit of staying there that extra week as well. Uh, that, to me, already has Bills on upset alert that week. Then another game in London, Ravens versus Titans. Uh, these two storied uh, rivals recently with uh, Derrick Henry, Lamar Jackson. And I believe this one's around week seven, uh, week eight. So hopefully, uh, you know, Lamar's healthy, Derrick Henry's healthy, and we get the full one. We'll see the Ravens, OBJ, uh, you know, Rashad Bateman, and the new wide receiver, Zay Flowers. That'll be fun. And Titans, we'll see if Will Levis will actually be starting or if it's still Ryan Tannehill. But I think that has a potential to be a really good matchup over there in London. Uh, then in Germany, this is one I think is a good matchup. I'm upset it's over there. I'll tell you the reason why. That's Dolphins, Chiefs. Now, last year, the atmosphere in Germany was amazing uh, between the Seahawks and the Bucks. Um, had just a great feel to it. And I see why they had two games there in Germany this year. But again, the first one's Dolphins-Chiefs. I think that's a great matchup considering it's Tyreek versus former team in Kansas City. However, this was a designated home game for the Chiefs, so I kind of wish it was at Arrowhead. Uh, if when Tyreek, you know, has 100, 200 yards, two touchdowns, whatever he does, I wish he was there in that environment, in that stadium. To me, this kind of takes some of it back from Tyreek considering it's going to be in uh, Germany, nonetheless, I think this will be a great game. Again, same as the uh, Black Friday game. I hope this. Is, I think this is Week Nine, but Week Ten, I hope two was healthy at this point, so you know it can be competitive. Uh, but this has the makings again of being a good, high-powered, high-offensive game. Then we finish with sort of a dud, uh, and that's the Colts versus Patriots in Germany, the last international game. It could be good. We'll, you know, who knows if Anthony Richardson will be the day one starter. Uh, how's progression will be uh, then around week 10, week 11 uh, versus the Patriots? Uh, I was high on the Patriots because they made a big move, which a lot of people aren't talking about. And that's replacing Matt Patricia with Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien, to me, one of the best offensive minds in football. So to get him quarterbacking, this should, I think, be more reminiscent of a uh, Josh McDaniel style of offense that was run with Mac Jones. Hopefully he rediscovers himself a bit. I think this one should be good. It's two rivals. This has been a storied rivalry through the past 20 years, through the Brady and Peyton Manning years and the Brady and Andrew Luck. And then now we get this next iteration of the Colts-Patriots rivalry in Germany. Should be a fun one. Hopefully it is. Uh, sometimes I'm worried about these uh, London Germany games. They don't live up to expectations, uh, but I hope this one does. So, those were the games that got released. Those were the eight today. The rest of the schedule will be revealed tomorrow. Excited for that. Uh, I'll be talking more about that when those are officially released 
Uh, so probably my podcast on Friday. Now I want to talk about strength of schedule. Now strength of schedule, uh, you know, was officially released as well the other day for all the teams because it's based on, you know, your opponent win percentage since we know the opponents. If the Eagles have the toughest uh, right there, they're, you know, right ahead of the Dolphins who are also high, uh, tied in the third spot, you know, Giants, Patriots, Cowboys. But then you have a team like the the Chiefs at 16, uh, but they're closer to the toughest at number one than the easiest, that's the Falcons. And if you uh, listen to my podcast last week, I talked about just the Chiefs' opponents that they play and how tough it was. Uh, so, again, these teams have tough schedules. But to me, it's hard to determine really how tough a schedule is when you don't know the week-to-week basis because it's not like the Chiefs are going to play the Chargers, Bills, Eagles, Bengals in a four-week span. That's not how that works. Uh, you know, they dice it up, you know, make it more palatable, you know, for a team uh, to not go through such a gauntlet stretch like that. So I think, you know, the previous opponent win percentage is good, uh, but you have some teams that I think really improved uh, from last year and some teams that were really bad, like Green Bay Packers were 8-9 and nine last year. Uh, I think they're going to be worse this year. The Lions were nine and eight. I think they'll be better. Like a team like the Vikings were thirteen and four. I think they'll be worse. I think they'll have to take a step back. Uh, so you again, you have these teams that you kind of know. Hey, ain't gonna be that good. Ain't gonna be that bad. Like the Buccaneers again. They were nine and eight last year. Uh, they won their division, so they have the toughest schedule of their division. But again, they lost Tom Brady. I think they're gonna be much worse this year. So a lot of factors go into the strength of schedule for the previous year when they do it, for the opponent win percentage. I think a lot of things change. So to me, I really take this with a grain of salt. It's a, you know, to me, it's a good indicator measuring stick, but to me, it's not final because to me, there's other factors and things you adjust into the strength of schedule, uh, than just what they do. And that's just wins and losses. Uh, but it is interesting to see, again, who has the toughest schedule based on those win percentages. Uh, and we'll see. I think when the schedule is released tomorrow, hey, this team has it looks like it has a difficult, this stretch is difficult for this team. These two or three games or these three out of four, we'll see how they handle it. I'm excited for that. Again, tomorrow, 5 o'clock, we will know what's going on. Now time to move to the NBA. Let's talk about last night's games. Let's start with the 76ers and the Celtics. This one was very surprising to me. This game and even the series. uh, Because now Joel Embiid has beat the Celtics and the the 76ers and the Celtics uh, with Joel Embiid. This series and like any time... In his whole career, he's had one playoff win against the Celtics, uh, you know, since he's been there. He's historically been owned by the Celtics. He's had beaten like once this year. I mean, 
He's not good against the Celtics. The Sixers are not good against the Celtics. But somehow the 76ers are one win away from advancing to their first conference finals since Allen Iverson in 01. So to me, that that's unfathomable. I've been to, out of all the picks I made so far, my Western Conference bracket is perfect dead on. Uh, you know, I had this matchup right, 76ers Celtics. I had the Celtics winning, and now they are on the brink of elimination. Uh, and it, it was a combination of two things last night. The 76ers played good, and the Celtics played bad. You know the team plays bad uh, when they're booing you at your home court, TD Garden, one of the iconic venues in the NBA. And those fans, again, are booing you out of the arena. Uh, again, not a great combo for the Celtics if you want to win that game. Lost by 12, and they were in control the whole way, uh, led by as many as 21. Uh, Boston's lead was very, very early in the game. Uh, they would make a run to get down to like 9 or 8. Nothing would happen much from it. I have to give credit to Joel Embiid, who played like the MVP. Last night, he was the best player on the floor. Uh, I don't think he's been in this series. I thought James Harden has been their saving race the fair first two wins. Of course, the reason why they've lost as well is his poor shooting. But this one, Joel Embiid made his case. He stamped it 33 points, a plus 21, seven rebounds, three assists. He was great. Uh, P.J. Tucker's hustle and defense has been great. Uh, Tobias Harris added 16, Tyrese Maxey with 30, and then James Harden uh, with a double-double, 17 points, 10 rebounds. And then uh, House off the bench gave him 10. So this was a complete win. Uh, Jason Tatum, even though he scored 36 points, was a minus 26. Uh, that's not going to win you games. Uh, even though he had a double-double, he needed help. Al Horford, 0 for 7 from the field. They were all three-point attempts, didn't make one, zero points. Uh, that usually doesn't happen. A bad game from him. Uh, Jalen Brown was good, 24 points, a 9-16 shooting. Uh, Marcus Smart, same thing, 14 points. Um, but, you know, Joel Embiid was active on defense, uh, blocking shots, making their three-point attempts. They shot 40% from the three uh, compared to Boston's 30. And then from a the field, they were 50 to Boston's 40. So when you have a 10% increase in both those, you're probably going to win the game when you're, you know, 85% free throw shooting to their 74. Again, that'll help when you out-rebound by 13. That's going to do some damage as well. So the 76 would wanted this one more. Uh, surprisingly, they were more composed. And Boston just fell out flat. Looked lifeless. Uh, again, lazy. I don't know how they do it. They do it more than they did last year. But they just appear dead. But now they're down 3-2. So how do they recover? They have a must-win now in Philly to force a Game 7. And this was brought up last night on the NBA TNT. And they have to follow, follow the same formula as last year. Uh, game 5 last year, you know, going into Game 5, they were 2-2 two and two against the Bucks, And Game 5 was just super deflating. Uh, Drew Holiday took it over late, kind of showed that Marcus Smart, like, I'm a better defensive guard than you. Uh, they won that game. Game six, 
was back in Milwaukee, and I thought Milwaukee was going to close it out then, but Jason Tatum outplayed Giannis in that game, dropped a 40-point game, was masterful, and then they come back in Game 7, and, you know, Grant Williams had a good game. They made all their threes, and, you know, the Bucks uh, couldn't buy a shot at all that game. So I think Boston can go in there with the players they have, knowing they have experience from last year. They can shoot the three well. I think Jason Tatum has to be a bit more efficient. Um, but I think they have the makings to win it, uh, considering they beat the 76ers earlier by like 25, like 30 points already there in the first game. And then uh, knowing as well that actually my bad, the 25-30 was at home. Uh, they beat them by 12 away, and they lost by one point in overtime. So they know they can go into Philly and win. Uh, I think Boston's look better in Philly than they had at home this series. So we'll see how that plays out. You know, I'm not counting off Boston yet. I still think this goes seven. I still think Boston wins like last year. This is what I'm not giving up. I'm shocked because I think Boston has more expectations on them this year than they did last year. But we'll see. Uh, next year, or my bad, tomorrow, uh, what happens with them, if they can force that game seven or not. I believe they do break down more of that tomorrow. Then the other game, the Nuggets crush the Suns. Uh, good first quarter. The Nuggets had two quarters of 35-plus. The first quarter, they scored 35. Second quarter, let the Suns get back into it, took the lead by one before the Nuggets finished off strong. And then the third quarter, scored 39 points in that quarter. Uh, home team has won every game this series. Uh, this game was just a Nuggets master class uh, from a very start. And it got chippy. This, to me, was like, oh, this is playoff basketball between these two teams. We've seen it with the Lakers and Warriors, Lakers-Grizzlies. But between these two teams, it was, oh, this is intense. You had... KD shoving Jokic and getting a technical, uh, which I thought was deserving considering the play was live. Monty Williams never called a timeout. Uh, so I don't know why he's coming out there to the floor with his erase board when it's a technical free throw shot. Uh, the Nuggets were like, this ain't happening in our house. I love it. I love what they did. They set the tone. They were the aggressor. They played desperate. They played knowing, hey, we need this game. Uh, and they wanted it more than Phoenix. He got it, you know, Katie got a tech. Uh, Bruce Brown got a tech as well at that same, uh, same, you know, rhythm of events. Jamal Murray got a technical for taunting as well after an and one. He was good. Uh, I mean, just the pick and roll as well between Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. It's just beautiful to watch. Uh, Jamal Murray with 19 points. Jokic with a triple-double, 29 points, 12 assists, 13 rebounds. Uh, most triple-doubles by a center now, past Wilt Chamberlain. He's averaging a triple-double for this series. I believe it's like around like 29, like 12 and 12 or something like that. It's ridiculous. He's been, you know, absolutely uh, just sensational uh, from this standpoint. and. The Suns have had no, I shouldn't say, they, they've had an answer for Jokic, but they don't use it as much 
as I think they should. So Jokic is playing great. Uh, again, his minutes have been phenomenal. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of people are blaming DeAndre Aiden. I do think that's the biggest reason because Devin Booker is the, like, worst defensive player in the playoffs when you look at defensive efficiency rating. Uh, he's doing so much on offense that the defense has slipped. Uh, KD, I think, has been mediocre by his standards this series. Uh, but you need to go with what works, and DeAndre Aiden on the floor isn't what works. Uh, and they're leaving him on Jokic too much one-on-one. So when you look at the series so far, DeAndre Aiden has 54 points, 41 rebounds, and 6 assists. Jokic has 175 points, 69 rebounds, and 50 assists. Now, Jokic is not that good of a defender. He's, if he's able to guard Aiden and just, you know, put a body on him, that's something. Whereas Aiden has not done that so far to Jokic. And to me, it is costing them. I believe they should put in Jock Landale, uh, considering with Aiden in the lineup, uh, the Suns are a minus 59. They've been outscored by 59. Whereas when starting Jock Landale, they are plus 27. So again, that counts for something. And then you think of it defensively. Jokic is shooting 50% when guarded by Landale. And he's shooting 60% when Aiden is on him. Why is that? Landale's just more physical. He doesn't have the talent or the tools that Aiden does but he makes his presence felt something that Aiton does not do. He's like a disappearing act. Uh, I don't get it. And then when you look at the net efficiency rating, uh, and again, this is a small sample size, but in this series, you're not going to have a major one like you would the whole regular season. But just in this series alone, Booker, Durant, and Landale, with their time on the floor. It's only 24 minutes, small sample size, but it's 140 offensive rating, 104 defensive rating, a plus 36 net rating. Now that's like incredibly, incredibly good to have a net rating of plus 36. That is fantastic. Now, double the minutes. So again, that lineup's 24 minutes. Now double that around 49 minutes. For Booker, Durant, and Aiden. So you replace uh, Aiden with Landale with Booker and Durant. So Aiden with those two. 121 offensive rating dips by 20. 133 defensive rating. Actually, 134 defensive rating increases by 30. So that defense just totally drops off in how bad it is. With a minus 11.9 net rating minus a basically minus 12 net rating. So they go from incredibly, almost historically good to like the same numbers as like the great lineup of, you know, Steph and Poole and Draymond and like Wiggins last year, their kind of death lineup. That's how good that is. And with Aiden, it's just not the same. He has struggled. Uh, and I think he had a fine regular season. I do. But you have guys in the playoffs that either their performance dips, stays the same, and elevates. So, you know, we have the superstars, the people who elevated LeBron's play in the postseason elevates. Uh, Michael Jordan elevates. Um, who was the other name I was just thinking of? 
um, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard elevates, uh, you know, Giannis elevates. You have some people that sort of stay the same uh, for the most part, like Jokic has stayed the same, uh, Embiid as well, their kind of numbers, uh, you know, don't get marginally better. Uh, and then you got people who dip, like Julius Randle, now DeAndre Aiden, uh, Jordan Poole, especially this year. So they need to figure out a combination that works. Uh, Nuggets have home court, so they just need to win one more. One of those are at home. Suns need to find a way to force Game 7 and then win on the road. I don't think it's possible. I think the Nuggets win this series, close them out. Now I want to get to tonight's games. Heat, Knicks, Lakers, Warriors. Let's start Heat, Knicks. Knicks are three-and-a-half-point favorites, and I'm surprised by this line. Uh, I think the Heat are going to win this game. I think they cover no matter what, but I do think they win. I think they win in five. Uh, and it's just kind of been dominating uh, throughout. The only time the Knicks won this series is when Jimmy Butler didn't play. Uh, Jimmy Butler's been fantastic defensively. They've been good. They're not afraid to go into the garden and win a game. Uh, again, the way they've dominated the offensive board, Julius Randle not playing as well as he has uh, even Jalen Brunson standards as well, whereas Jimmy Butler, another one of one of those players like LeBron and KD who elevate in the postseason. That's what he does, uh, and I think he'll do that. I think the Heat win this game uh, and close out the series in five, and I think that's very beneficial for them considering uh, Jimmy Butler can get some extra rest and time on that ankle, especially if the Celtics go seven, which would end on Sunday. Uh, that means Miami's getting four extra days of rest Thursday to Sunday. That would be huge for Jimmy Butler and his team. I think they know how big the moment is. I think they close out in five. Uh, moving forward, the Heat are winning. Now, Lakers-Warriors. Uh, the Warriors started as seven-point favorites. That's increased to eight. There's a lot of money on the Warriors right now. I kind of like the Lakers to just cover. Uh, you know, get with any. I think they will because their defense travels. They've been the best defensively in the playoffs. But I do think Golden State's going to win this game. Uh, they're down 3-1. This is as desperate as you get. And they know this is a must-win. I think players like Draymond will play extra hard. Jordan Poole as well. Clay Thompson. I think Steph will be Steph. But they're at home. Great environment. I think they win this one. Uh, I do think the Lakers can win this game. Uh, if AD is his dominant self, if LeBron adds in 30, maybe 40 points, uh, I don't expect Lonnie Walker to have that same type of impact. Uh, who knows what D'Lo and Austin Reeves will give you. Austin Reeves, outside of his last game, has struggled. But I think the Warriors are very safe bet to win this game. Again, this would be nice for the Lakers to close it out here, considering the Nuggets could close out tomorrow. Uh, again, it could go to a Game 7, but again, they could close out tomorrow. So if you're the Lakers, you want the more extra days as rest as possible for LeBron James and his foot injury, for AD to just rehab so he doesn't have to be in a game environment because a bruise, a nick, something happens, and the season is over. The next thing you know, you're up 3-1, and now you're eliminated from a playoffs, which you don't want to happen. So I think they need to come in here. With that, you know, game six mentality that they had 
against the Grizzlies, where LeBron said it was basically a Game 7 mentality for us. I think they need to bump that up again. I think they know. Uh, last year, he said, hey, we can lose Game 5. We have this one at home. I don't know if you want to give the Warriors any hope. I'd like the Lakers to close it out. I just don't know if they have the urgency uh, to do it, and that's why I'm picking the Warriors to win tonight. But I do think Heat and Knicks, uh, Heat will win. Lakers-Warriors, this to me has been the best. Even though it's 3-1, it feels like a 2-2 series. This has been the best conference semifinals matchup in a very long time. And I think the viewing record is the same. It's on pace to be the most-watched conference semis since, like, 1999. So, again, it shows you stars are out. LeBron, Steph, they're playing well. means a lot for ratings and for viewers. Um, Should be a fun one I'll be watching tonight. We'll see how everything breaks down, what happens. And I'll talk to you all later. Bye, everybody. This has been Unbothered.